Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are announcing our 100 books, 100 best books of the podcast that we have come up with. We are just going to, we're going to be briefly introducing you to the best 100 books that we have read since now, wait, wait, the inauguration wait, wait. of our podcast in Why the summer are we of 2016. doing 100 books? Oh, we're doing 100 books because last week, if you listen, we recorded episode number 99.5. <laughs> <laughs> Which we recorded because we had not quite gotten our act together in terms of what our list w- would compile. I think our initial list, we had made a list of 100 books of our 100 best books with, you know, Gail and I each contributing 50 books. But that just felt a little too general. There, there are so many books that we've read. So we were not ready to go forward with that podcast. So we talked about it a little bit more and we decided to each pick 50 of the best books that we have read over the course of recording this podcast to come up with 100. So we actually have 105 because we took out the five books that made both my list and Gail's list. And so those are just sort of a little bit of an addendum. I don't think that any of the five books that we pulled out will surprise anyone, but we will go over that later. So that is why we're celebrating the 100th episode of The Readerly Report. So However, either this is episode 100 because it's 99.5 or this is episode 101, (laughs) however (laughs) you want to look at it. So happy 100 episodes. It's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. I mean, so much has happened in in this 100 episodes. So much has happened in this 100 episodes. Yes. I felt like I had to say that twice because it's been a packed three and a half, four years. Yeah. That we have been doing this. Um, when we started out, we were probably recording an episode. Maybe we would record one once a month if we were doing really well. Right. We would record two. It was very haphazard. Like we would record an episode and not record one for months. And yes, it was definitely sporadic. It was sporadic. It grew out of a different project. We, I don't think that we started it with any kind of direction or or much of a plan right but you know 100 episodes later we've definitely gotten into a good groove we have more structure to our shows we have guests on our shows we have a lot more listeners of our shows (laughs) and we are really excited and we find this lots of fun to do we appreciate everybody who listens and downloads every week and comments leaves us reviews. It's really a nice community and it's very gratifying to hear people's reactions and to know that there's listeners out there who are actually, you know, getting something out of it and and learning about books and and enjoying it. So we actually thought what we'd do today, in addition to talking about our 100 favorite book list, and that list will live in its own post on thereaderlyreport.com. So if you want to check that list out, it's there, and it will be there all the time. Yes, because we're not going to really go over it in an exhaustive, in any exhaustive kind of way. We're going to get to a few more things, and it'll just be there for you to take a look at and hopefully find some favorites of your own. So what we thought we would do today is just talk a little bit about the show, a little bit more about ourselves, because when we get on the on the the mic every week, we don't really delve too much into our personal lives or what's going on, because, you know, we (laughs) we want to talk about books. But we thought we might take a step back during this episode and talk a little bit about the show and how the show has changed us as readers and a little bit of behind the scenes of how we record and come up with show topics and things like that. A little bit about what we're reading, and then we'll come back to our 100 favorite book list and and certainly discuss the, the overlap that we have. And maybe we'll each note a few additional books that don't always get a lot of airtime on the show. There's certain books that we talk about all the time, and then there's certain books we don't talk about much, but we really liked. Nicole, why don't you kick us off, tell our listeners a little bit more about you, where you live, what you do. So people have a sense of of who we are as people. Live in New York. I grew up in New York. So with the exception of 
way at school, I have lived in New York. So it, it always makes it seem like when you talk to me that I just been here for so long and know how things have changed in New York and just have like a further memory than most people who come to New York because because I've always been here. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I work in compliance at a financial services firm. I, it's a very hectic kind of day. These last few months have been a little bit of an adjustment in working in a new job, working in a new environment, working in a different industry than what I had previously been working in. There has been a learning curve and just an adjustment curve in terms of my schedule. And I'm really feeling it in terms of how much I've been reading because my commute is not that long. I don't have as much free time during the day. So I'm definitely now working, trying to structure my days so that I have time to read and to see my friends and to work on this podcast and do all the fun things that I love to do because I don't really like, I don't like being busy for the sake of being busy, but I do like having enough structure so that I can say yes to the things that I really enjoy. Like, I just hate saying I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> Before taking on this position, which has just really tanked my reading, <laughs> previously I probably read, I don't know how many books. It would vary sometimes between, I would say, 90 to 160 books a year, just depending. I think my high was probably 160. God knows what I was doing at that time. I probably... Uh, what did not have a traditional job or maybe was a student taking classes or something. So that has been my high for whatever reason this happens. This has happened most years. I don't know if it will happen this year with this job. It depends on how much adjusting I've been able to do for whatever reason, January, I read a crazy amount of books. I think it's because the holidays have come and gone and it's really cold and no one wants to go anywhere and no one has any money. So I just sit around. <laughs> Most Januaries, I read anywhere between 16 to 24 books. Oh, my God. Uh, one, one year, One year I was on vacation. One year I, I went to Bangkok, I think, and between the flight and just... I think I was sightseeing during the day and just having pretty chill afternoons by the pool in the, yeah, in the afternoon because it's, just, it's so hot there. And I read a lot. And like I said, I don't know, January, no one starts doing anything again in New York until February once they've adjusted to the coal and their pocketbook has recovered from all the Christmas parties, the New Year's parties. It's, it's really a thing and it happens every year. So I'm very curious about this year. <laughs> Gail, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I live in D.C. I grew up in D.C. I left for about 10 years and lived in other places. I lived in New York for a couple years and lived in San Francisco for a couple years. So I've, I've been all over the place, but I have been back in D.C. for almost 20 years now. And like you, like you, I kind of know what D.C. was like before, and I know what D.C. is like now and all the changes in between. So I'm definitely a D.C. veteran. Um, I... Went to law school and practiced law for about eight years and really didn't enjoy it. And I left law and went into communications. So ever since 2004, I have been in non-legal roles. And most recently for the last, actually over, it's almost going to be six years, January, I have been working for a technology company called HomeSnap, which is a home search app and home search platform. And I run communications and PR and I do um, business development. So I love my job. It's a very cool place to work with a very young, energetic vibe to it. Um, I work in downtown Bethesda, Maryland. And I have three kids. I've got twins who are 15, twin girls, and I have a son who's seven. And unlike Nicole, my reading has actually increased every year ever since I we did we started the podcast. I I've been blogging since 2006, so it's been like 13 years of writing my book blog. That's every day I write the book. And I don't know, over the years I've gotten maybe more efficient with my reading and I've maybe picked better books. So this year is actually for me a record. I never read nearly as much as Nicole and certainly not as much as Nicole on her record years. But for me, um I 
you know, usually was striving to hit around 50. Then it was creeping up to like 54, 56. I think I set a goal of 60 this year. And Which you're going to surpass I, probably. I think I probably will, although things are slowing down a little bit for a whole bunch of reasons. But I think I'm at like 50 right now. So I should be, I should hit 60 with no problem before, by the end of um, December. I wish I read faster. It's like the greatest curse of being a book blogger slash podcaster that I'm a slow reader. It makes me crazy. But I try to fit my reading in in all kind of weird times. I do an audiobook at all times. So that's my very short commute to work or when I'm walking the dog. Um, I read at night. I read if I'm going to a baseball game and I'm on the subway or if I'm in a waiting room somewhere or right before bed or while I'm drying my hair. So I try to cram it in at, at different times. I don't quite know wh- how I get it done, but somehow it happens that these books get finished. Nicole and I met as book bloggers and we met at Book Expo and we've been doing this together now, like she said, for four years or so. Yeah, I guess almost three and a half to four years. That's a little bit of background about me. I usually record the podcast in my house. And I've got a library in my house where all my books are, which is why sometimes you'll hear me like looking around the room when we're talking about something. I scold so, Gail for them. Like, Gail, did you turn your head away from... <laughs> did you turn your I head have, away like, from the mic? swivel chair. And sometimes we'll talk about a book. So I turn to find where it is. And Nicole's like, where did you go? And that's just because I'm looking around the room. Nicole and I usually record on Sundays and we try to find an hour when my kids don't need me to drive them somewhere and and we try to hammer it out. So some some weeks are a little more difficult than others if one of us is traveling or you know if something comes up, but we sometimes record extra episodes in advance so that we have one in our pockets if we need if we have to skip a, a recording. But generally we've made it work. Yes. Which is yes, I thank my family for their patience cuz I disappear for an hour and I say please be quiet. I'm going in the den going in the library don't talk to me for an hour but they're all getting to an age well definitely with your girls but even yeah it's more nate every now and again he'll come in here and whisper something to me and i'm sure you can hear it but he comes in and wants something or you hear my dog barking which that happens more often than i'd like with me here the the new york city traffic sometimes it's an ambulance and sometimes you'll hear a little meow we, we have a few regular episodes we do. So we'll do like a summer preview, a fall preview, um, spring preview. We try to check in on paperback releases with some regularity because we know people are interested in buying paperbacks, especially if they've had their eye on a hardcover for a year or two, but they haven't wanted to pull the trigger and they might want to know when the um, when the paperback is coming out. We usually do some sort of a holiday gift guide show which isn't like the exhaustive list of all the books that are out there, but it's kind of a a little, maybe a little different way of looking at holiday books and, and some potential recipients that might be on your list and what you might think about getting them. We've had some great interviews of authors on the show. We've got a few coming up that have been recorded that we haven't aired yet, and we've had some other ones on the show. We've had some other great guests, other book podcasters or book bloggers. We've had some industry people. And we love having guests on because it's always a nice um, change of pace and a different perspective to hear about what they're reading, what they're thinking. Nicole and I know each other's tastes, and our tastes are pretty similar. So sometimes it's nice to have someone else on to just shake things up a little bit. And, you know, usually it's somebody who's read some books that are ones that we haven't talked about or maybe I have ever heard of. I don't, I don't know if some listeners, because we don't, it's not like we get on every day and I'm like, it's me reporting from New York and it's Gail reporting mm-hmm. from DC. So I don't know if some listeners realize that we are, we have not been in the same room together. We record on Skype. Well, we were recording on Skype and having a bunch of issues, which led us to other software and that, which we use now as a backup. And each of us just records our tracks separately and then I will edit them together. So sometimes in terms of timing or what we say, like I try to get as much of it out as possible, but we don't, it's not like we have visual cues that I can, that I will know that Gail has finished speaking or, so sometimes we step over each other a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. Because we just don't have those visual cues of, oh, I know she's about, she stopped talking or it's like, oh, I can say something now. Or sometimes I start talking because I think that she has finished and she hasn't. So, Yeah. Right. We don't, we don't have each other to look at to sort of signify, oh, I'm done now. You can talk. Yeah. We don't, we don't always have that. Actually, we never have that. So Nicole does the technical stuff. She does the editing. Nicole does most of the website stuff. Um, we, we divide up duties on some of the other stuff. I do the show notes. So I transcribe the show and add all the um, affiliate codes to our book links, which is, I usually do our Facebook page and our Facebook group and Nicole does our Instagram page. So if you're interacting with one of us in one of those platforms, that's who you've got usually. So we do, we do have the two different places on Facebook. We've got our main readerly report page, and then we have a readerly report readers group, which we encourage our listeners to join. And we just have other discussions there. And then there's sometimes there's some opportunities there like giveaways or opportunities to guest on the show. Um, That usually goes just to the readerly report readers group. So if that's something you're interested in becoming part of, um, definitely join the readerly report readers. Oh yeah. How podcasting has affected our reading. I think that I'm, like I said, I think I'm reading better. Like I'm choosing better things and I'm reading, I'm more efficient. But why do you think that is? Well, I think because the podcast has kind of put my like book awareness into overdrive compared to even when I was just blogging. So what that means is I'm reading more of other people's reviews and listening to other people's opinions more. So I'm going into books with more knowledge about them, which means I'm picking ones that I'm more likely to like because I'm not doing it on a whim. Like I, I'll, I'll listen to a show and someone else's podcast who talks about a book and they really like it and it's somebody I trust. So then I think what's happened is it's made the caliber of the books a better fit for me and they're just better books in general. And then when I'm reading a good book, I'm I read more frequently because I'm like more excited to get back to it and have a harder time putting it down. So then it edges out other competing things. I think I am reading better. And I think also with the podcast book club, and then I've got a reading challenge at my blog, which I've talked about on the show a lot. And I've got an in real life book club. It's forcing me to read more because I have to read all these books that I've committed to for uh, to other people where I used to not do that. I used to, you know me, I used to hate challenges and I would never do them. And I was not in a book club for many years. So I felt like my reading was just all about what I wanted to read and I didn't feel beholden. And occasionally like I kind of miss those days or I get resentful, like, Oh, I don't really want to read this or oh, I don't want to read this by Monday. Like I've got other things I need to do, but it, it forces me to stay on a schedule. And sometimes I'm cramming a book. So that ends up adding more books to my account for the year. So that's all due to the podcast and somewhat the blog. We're making it like Gail's college days. She has to cram (laughs) reading books. There was this one weekend where we're both like desperately trying to finish reading this book so that we could have a podcast on it the next day. I don't even remember which book that was. Is it Michael Swan? Was it? No, uh, no, I don't think it was Michael Swan because I I had read Michael Swan. Yeah. I had lots to say Michael Swan. But we won't out ourselves just in case that podcast wasn't as great. (laughs) Okay. Do you ever do the the old, this is what I did in college, like constantly, the old, okay, this book is taking me about three pages a minute. So I've got 60 left. So I can maybe finish this in 20 minutes. Like I, I do those mental calculations all the time to try to figure out whether I can finish something. Things are changing as we're doing our podcast because I feel like as we do the, you know, we, our book club, if you go back to the beginning and things that we've labeled book club episodes, they were more just like books that Gail and I had accidentally read together. Mm-hmm. She would have read it and I finally got around to reading it or vice versa. And we'd be like, oh, we both read that. Let's talk about it. And so it was just whatever ran across our little brains and how that happened. And then we started, I think probably at the beginning of this year is when we officially like would announce this is the book that we're going to be reading. And I think we just announced that this is the book that we're going to be reading. And so we started purposefully reading them together, mostly because of the way Gail likes to 
pick the books, it would be like, oh, Gail wants to read this. So it's just much easier for me to read what Gail wants to read because it's likely that I would have wanted to read it anyway. And Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's just not the same for Gail. But now we're doing, I think we're doing more prep work with each one. We're inviting, we're going to have like readerly report book club guests. We have our first one is going to be at the end of this month. And um, with our other picks, we're going to, you, you know, invite people to join with us. I don't think we'll ever have more than four people discuss at the same time because I think of it from an editing standpoint and it just it makes me a little batty. But <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that there's more preparation with it. And, and now we're actually each taking turns picking a book. So sometimes I can like force Gail a little bit out of her comfort zone, which is fun. Mm-hmm. I try not to go too, too far. <laughs> But sometimes there's a little devil on my shoulder that's just like, Gail, why don't we read a book about, I don't know, like (laughs) space. About space, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Why don't we read a book where, you know, there's vampires, sparkly vampire books. No, I do have a veto and that's going to, that's, I'm saving that for the vampire books. Mm. Yeah, that's not happening. (laughs) I would say challenges that we face in podcasting or definitely finding time to record. That's probably our biggest one. I think that you and I would each like to invest more time into the podcast when it comes to events and interaction on social media and, um, you know, um, very technical things like adding date stamps to our timestamps, sorry, to our show notes. And it's just, you know, there's just so many hours in the day and like the podcast takes time away from other things that you and I have going on. And while we are happy with the level we have, it's very difficult for us to do much of an increase just given so many other pressing demands on our time. So it's just not that easy for us to introduce lots of new features and make a lot of progress on the, on the technology side, just given our schedules and especially with your schedule with your new job has been really challenging. I think it just means that we're really slow. I mean, it's just kind of like when you think of the evolution of our podcast, we started out, Oh, why don't we record a podcast? And it went up and then a couple months later, maybe there would be another one. And so I think that that's something that we've tweaked, like the quality of the recordings as we have figured out, well, Skype is unreliable and it doesn't work. And how can we record on different tracks and, just have something as a backup for if something terrible goes terribly wrong so that we can have some kind of consistency with audio. I think it's just a slow process for us and picking and choosing and what we want to invest in. I mean, now that there is for the most part, there will be a podcast even last last week we were were tempted. I was just said, "Eh, we can just wait and skip an episode. But because we have gotten so used to, Having an episode go up, it was hard for both of us to do that, which is why you got 99.5, yeah, exactly. which we a good quick, compromise. quickly recorded just so that we could have that, maintain that consistency. So I think that as yeah. we fix each area, you get to see us grow and slowly become more consistent in each area. But we will yeah. pop on and give you updates in terms of like I had said, in the beginning of the summer, as I knew that there were a lot of changes coming down the pike, that the best way to keep up with us is to subscribe to the podcast because that is the thing that we are most committed to. It's going to be there and we're going to be there. And hopefully there will be other things and other ways that we can improve and grow as time goes on or as we outsource some things and invest in more resources that will allow us to do more fun things. But for right now, the podcast is, this is the place to get us. Yeah. Gotten comments about that people like the interplay between us and that we, you know, I think we're pretty comfortable with each other and each other's taste and stuff, but we're we're also capable of challenging each other and, you know, calling each other out if we don't agree with something that the other one said. So hopefully that comes through that there's a lot of like mutual respect for each other as readers. We also just really enjoy talking to each other about this stuff. And I think that we are similar. I mean, I feel like Mm -hmm. we probably, I would say when we first started talking through our web, through our book blogs or whatever about books and 
meeting at different book expos or whatever, we were probably closer in taste because I feel like you read lots of literary fiction. I was reading lots of literary fiction, literary historical fiction. And I feel like we like similar things. Mm -hmm. We're kind of drawn to some of the same like arcane or narrow nonfiction stuff. We're drawn to some of the same things, but I also feel like at the same time, we like... We we don't like things in the same way, or we're drawn to a particular type of book. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's not like we're. It's a carbon copy of. Oh my god, I love this. Yes, I love this too. Usually, there's something that each of us will like better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like right. it's more like a love like or a I would read that, but I haven't. Or right. And I think that your taste is changing to the to more enjoying more lighter fare too. Yeah, that's probably true. I think that we do. One thing that I do think is interesting is that we will sometimes love the same things. Oftentimes a book I love, and then like you love it too. Like we, the things that hit a lot, that cover a lot of bases for us, or that kind of hit it out of the park for us, uh, we often overlap on. And we'll be both be reading at the same time. And we're like comparing notes and both like, oh yeah, I really, really like this. So that's kind of nice that we often affirm each other's, you know, passion about certain books. Which brings us to the overlap books. I think that's a good segue into the, I don't think this list surprises anyone that we overlapped with these five books because we've talked about them extensively and our love for them. And some have been book club picks. Mm -hmm. So these are the five books that we basically took off our list of hundreds because we both had them and, because it was so, it was really difficult for me to make even with the uh, Titan parameters to make a list of only 50 books. Cause it was like, Oh, should I choose this one or that one? And I kind of used the desert, the desert Island mindset. What are the 50 books that I've read in the last four years that if I knew that I would maybe have to read them over and over again, and they were all I had, what are the books that I would pick? Mm-hmm. So, what are those? Let's let's take a look at what those books are. An American okay. Marriage, which surprised no one because <laughs> we did our March Madness on it. And that was the book that we picked. And The Great right. Believers, which, you know, in uh, a great tragedy, I think The Great Believers was, was it picked off early or I'm not sure how no, that No, weren't the two of those? Or they went did, head. Didn't those two go head to head at the end? Maybe. Didn't we flip a coin between those two? Right, we did flip a coin. We did flip a coin. We couldn't decide. They were both so good that we just, we couldn't decide between those two. And that's one of the things that we did, which was really exciting when we did our March Madness. That got a lot of, you know, we did that at the last minute. Gail had this brainstorm that we should have our books, the books that we've both read, go head to head and see what came out on top. And, you know, we talked about the constraints and how we constructed that. and, And we would like to do that differently this year to make it, we would like it to be more interactive and to have the books. I I mean, some of these books just never had a chance because of the books that they were going against. So we want to work a little bit on our seating. And it's good that we have the book club because at least we have 12 that we know we'll be working on. But definitely if you listen last year and you have any idea of what we could do, I was thinking we could maybe once we set up some brackets either have some of the reader, our readerly report readers do some of the early judging or help us Mm. figure out what the bracket is or something because we want to do more with it for next March. That's something that I've, I know I've started to think about now. I need to make a list of what books we've actually read in common and to start thinking about how we might do that next year. But that Mm -hmm. was really fun. And those were the two books yeah, that there was that that coin toss because we really had not thought too much about the seating. Yeah, we definitely did not see that right. Like we didn't give much thought. We were kind of throwing books together that were the same genre, but we didn't think about the fact that they were going to potentially knock off really good books very early. So we'll we'll be better next year. Yeah, so that the that the the final rounds will just be nail biters. Because yeah. I think what was happening is we were getting something that was just really light and and they're just like, oh, there's just no way. And we had some interesting, interesting conversations about that. The third book on the list will be no surprise because we have extolled its virtues over and over again. And I think we did a book club on it. And that is 
the juggernaut memoir by Michelle Obama, Becoming, <laughs> which you and I both adored. And I mean, us and the rest of the world, it's no big surprise there. Um, but we both really, really liked that. And that would easily landed on this list. After that is a book called The Stars Are Fire. Oh, gosh. Second to The Kitchens of the Great Midwest. That probably might be the most mentioned book on this podcast. Exactly. Although this one at least is mentioned by two of us instead of just by one of us. Um, Nicole and I read The Stars Are Fire at the same time. And it is an extremely suspenseful book about a woman in a very um, unenviable and confining situation in the, God, when was that? End of the 19th century, maybe? I can't even remember when it was set. Um, But what's most memorable to me about that is I was reading, I was doing it on audio and then the audio expired. So I guess I was probably doing it on like overdrive or something. And it expired before I could finish it. And I was like at this extremely suspenseful time and I couldn't, like I couldn't get hold of the book and I was freaking out and I was texting Nicole about how upset I was that I didn't know what had happened, but I was in left in this lurch (laughs) and it was like, it's an extremely suspenseful book. Um, and you know, is it like great literature? I don't know, probably not, but like what a just incredible reading experience that was. And I think it was a bonding experience for us, too, because we were both so, like, intensely taken with this book. So um, our list at number four. And then the last one, you want to introduce the last one? The last one was The Risen by Ron Rash, which I'm not sure. I think I read it first, and I recommended it. Yes, you sure And you read it. And this book is not a book that I that I think either of us would like because we like meaty narrative story. I think we both like words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this book, uh, I don't even know if it's 150 pages. Maybe it's 150 pages. Maybe it's 200. And it's by a male author. It, the protagonists are male. It, this is just not a book. <laughs> it's not a book that we read, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I had this. You know, I feel like it, Maybe it was Echo, so I don't know if Miriam gave it to me. Or I had been wanting to read Ron Rash for a while, because I feel like I would just get... I knew about his books, and he was someone... It was just on my list to read, and that was a short book. So I I probably picked it up to rule it out, as I do, which I've been trying to break (laughs) myself of that habit of just picking something up out of curiosity and to see if maybe I can just get rid of it. And I was so taken with this story. Like I had my mother read it and then Gail read it. And it's the story of these two brothers who are growing up. I believe maybe it's in North Carolina in the 1970s. They both become involved with the same young woman who ends up, she she's missing, right? And yeah. it's the story of how this has affected the brothers' lives. They both take really different paths in dealing with what happened to them with this one summer and their interaction with this young woman. He is a very spare writer, which usually I do not like at all, but I don't know. His spare writing has a lush quality about it that makes it feel like each word is just so precisely placed and paints such a vivid portrait. There are so many P's and plosives in that. (laughs) (laughs) But so it was so good. And Gail so read it good. and really loved it. And, you know, I don't know why. I mean, this book is so I don't know why we don't mention it as much on each podcast the way we we've have mentioned. Have yeah, we? that's true. Not as much as other books. But no, I think I, yeah. Giving it some love. Okay. Totally unexpected. Really loved it. Would love to read something else by him. Yeah. On my Pop Sugar Reading Challenge, there was a... One of the prompts was I had to read an author, basically alliteration to their initials Mm. are the same letter for their first and last name. So I was definitely considering Ron Rash. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's a good one. So those are our top five overlap books out of our top hundred. And then we each have an additional 47 or so books. So that we get to 100 total. But let's Um, come back to that. Before we get to that, let's get to some literary news. Okay. Do you have any? 
Well, I sent you two articles this week that were of about new book clubs. Book clubs are clearly having a moment. When I say book clubs, I mean like big national book clubs, like the Jenna Bush one and the and the resurgence of Oprah's, which we talked about last week, that she's doing the new one kind of powered by Apple. But then I sent you one. There's Good Morning America has a new one. And um, so they're clearly trying to keep up with the Today Show, which is where Jenna Bush's one is. Um, I'm actually looking up to see what their first pick was. Um, Good Morning America, read this book club. So they just announced this four days ago. So in the, in October. And oh, and their first pick is Dominicana, which you read. I really that, like that book. Yeah. So Good this pick. is called uh, GMA Cover to Cover. And we'll link to this on the show, uh, in the show notes. So this is a, a page on the Good Morning America website. And they're going to be showcasing diverse and compelling authors telling both fiction and nonfiction stories. So their first pick is Dominicana by Angie Cruz. Um, and I just thought that was interesting because there seems to be no end to the number of book clubs being launched. And then the second one, I believe it was on YouTube. Um, they're booktube. Oh yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Um, booktube. let's see. So it's called the book club. Oh no, that's not it. YouTube originals, literature, literature lovers rejoice. YouTube de- debuts official trailer and announces inaugural authors for new book to- booktube learning series. Yeah. It's called booktube. It is actually. Oh yeah. Booktube. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Okay. You're- I guess um, similar to one of these kind of national book clubs in that there will be content produced and generated around particular books. They It's a new monthly learning series featuring the world's most renowned authors. They've got Margaret Atwood in future episodes. Episode one is Malcolm Gladwell. And his book, Talking to Strangers, is going to be one of our upcoming book picks for our book club. Um, they've got... Margaret Atwood, James Patterson, and Melinda Gates. So they're clearly going for like the big, big, big names. The big. Yeah. Bestseller, bestsellers. So I'll be interested to see what these look like. I'm curious to know, you know, YouTube is not the most interactive of platforms. It's video gets posted. It's not a lot. I mean, the, the commentary in the comments in YouTube is sort of notoriously like not of the most intellectual quality. So I'm, I'm curious to see how much traction this gets in terms of interaction but um i guess the the video views will be interesting to see and how many people watch what it is and i think it's nice that we'll get to see some video of these authors talking so this is just you know two more of the two more entries into the national book club um cast of characters because there have been so many yeah, I think that the the gimmick too with this, or not the gimmick, but the um, what would I say, Gail? Not the gimmick, but the distinguishing factor in the this is that I think that they are having actual booktubers talk to the authors because uh, this one mentions Matt, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, and he's going to talk to. It looks like they list about three different booktubers, and it says that he's going to discuss the ideas behind his new book his Jamaican roots Mm -hmm. and the only five liquids that he drinks. (laughs) Interesting. I read an article that listed those, the beverages that he drinks. It's like, it's like water, green tea. It's something very simple. Any alcohol on the list? Maybe, maybe I don't, maybe I don't think he drinks alcohol. I don't know. Got it. Uh, I really like talking with strangers. I just want to say that again. Not that, not that it needs my help. <laughs> exactly. Well, that book's going to take off now, Nicole. <laughs> right. It right, has my stamp of yeah. approval. It can now go on to sell millions. Nicole of has discovered a, a little known author named Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> yes. So I break books like Oprah. So that is the industry news that I had, and I've got a few more minutes. Um, should we look just quickly pick out a few highlights? Uh, I had one oh, go thing. Ahead. I don't know that we talked about the fact that the National Book Award has announced its finalists. Oh, right. They, I think we had discussed the long list when it was out, so they have announced their finalists. And as we mentioned on that show, I'm really 
I'm really taken with the fact that they're th- these lists for them have been so accessible lately. I feel like these are all books that I am looking forward to reading, want to, mm-hmm. you know, want to read as opposed to things that You've never heard of. sometimes are a little bit more dry or esoteric. What are the five? So the finalists, the five finalists are, it's a book of short stories, um, Sabrina and Karina. Um, it's a Latinx author and she's just talking about um, women of Latinx descent and the short stories are about their lives, I believe, in the southwest of the United States. So they're set in Colorado. One is about uh, a sex worker and her daughter who are trying to make a new life. Another one is about a woman who is returning to live in a city that she grew up in and it has gentrified and changed a lot from when she's living there. So it's talking about the female Latinx experience. The other one is Black Leopard, Red Wolf by um, Marlon James. And of course he won the Man Booker in 2015 for A Brief History of Seven Killings. And then there is a book called Disappearing Earth by Julia Phillips, which is about two young girls. I believe one is they're eight and six and they get into a car with a stranger in Russia and they are not heard from. And it's sort of about the reverberations of their disappearance through their community. And then the other two are one that we read for a book club, Susan Choi, who wrote Trust Exercise. So, and the books rounding out this list, the ones by Susan Choi and Layla Lalami, who wrote The Other Americans, they were also Pulitzer Prize finalists. Mm-hmm. So there's some newbies in there and, you know, some people just, it's a good eclectic mix, I'll yeah. say. And then the nonfiction, one is a book that I have on my shelf that I would like to read. It's Albert, I believe his name is Albert Woodfox. And he wrote Solitary, which is about him being imprisoned, um, mostly in solitary confinement for, I think, a couple of decades for a crime that he did not commit. The Yellow House by Sarah and Broom, which I believe is about living in... Uh, like in New Orleans, right? Or the rebuilding of New Orleans mm-hmm. after Katrina in the house that housed her family. There is a book of essays called Thick by Tressie McMillan Cotton, and it's about her experience you know, as an African-American woman. She actually hosts a podcast with Roxanne Gay that is on this new paid subscription um, podcast site called Luminary. Mm-hmm. So the other, another one is The Heartbeat of Wounded Knee, uh, which is a book about the you know the Native American experience or the indigenous people's experience at Wounded Knee. So just a really accessible mix, a lot of um, things that are delving into cultures in the United States that you know, have not always been represented in the melting pot, people getting to tell their stories. I think that's a trend that we've seen. I'm glad to see that it's continuing and that... We have lots of different aspects of life that are now being examined through literature and are getting the opportunity to win these top prizes. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Well, we got to wind down soon. So do you want to just each pick out a few from our hundred that we just want to highlight? I won't even get too much into them, but ones that stood out that we haven't given a lot of attention to on the show. Um, sure. Okay. I'll pick a couple. Um, one of mine is Redeployment by Phil Cly, which is a collection of linked, I can't remember if they're linked or not, but they're collections basically of stories about many different aspects of military deployment. So you and I both have a fascination with books about the military, and that is one that I really enjoyed. Um, I picked Faith by Jennifer Haig. We have talked about Jennifer Haig some, but uh, that's one that really stood out to me. It's a story, a book about a f- some siblings in a family, and the male what the, one of the brothers has been accused of molesting. He's a priest, and he's been accused of molesting a kid. And it's about how those allegations kind of rip the family apart and how they deal with it. Um, I picked a book called The Sweetheart Deal by Polly Dugan 
which is a book about a woman whose husband died and he, um, his friend has promised to like take care of her if something happens to his friend and his friend has died. And so it's about the relationship that ensues with the widow and the friend after that. Um, I picked Early Warning, which is one of the the Jane Smiley trilogy of Some Look, Some Luck, Golden Age, and Early Warning. That's where she took a hundred years and she wrote three books where each chapter spans a different year out of that hundred. And um I can't remember what I think Early Warning was the last of the three, but they're all really good. I it's really hard for me to pick one because they were all great. And I feel like it was... Did that one, can it be read as a standalone? I don't think that you could read the later ones as a standalone because you in, the, she introduces this family in the beginning. I think that was Some Luck is the first one. And I think you'd have to read them in order to really appreciate them. I think what would happen is you would pick up two and three and you'd be in the middle of these, this family, you know, generations in, not having any of the foundation for who the people are and what the relationships are in the history of this family. So I would say don't read them standalone. I think they're all really good. And then the last one I picked is Billy Lynn's long halftime walk by Ben Fountain. And that is about uh, an army company that is sort of about to return to Iraq for their second tour. And they are sort of trotted out during the halftime show of the Thanksgiving Dallas Cowboys game. And it's, um, it's just one of those books that only takes a very compressed time book, which, you know, I don't usually love, but it takes place during the course of this halftime show. And it's from the perspective of one of the soldiers and it's this really biting and incisive look at sort of how America treats the military and, that, you know, in some ways, how the military becomes a very political thing. And it was just, it was just really well done. So that was, those are the five that I wanted to highlight. How about you? I really liked No One Is Coming To Save Us by Stephanie Powell. This is one of the books that Sarah Jessica Parker picked when she was, I think she was an honorary chair at the ALA. She ran their book club central and she picked books it when it came out, people make comparisons with it to you know it's sort of like the African American Great Gatsby, which I think it's unfair when you put a comparison on it like that. Really, it is in broadest terms. Maybe you could say that it's sort of like Gatsby. It's about a man who has grown up in a small town. He goes away. He becomes very wealthy. He comes back and has some interactions with with a woman that he may or may not have been in love with, but they were definitely connected when they were younger. I just really loved it for its voice about the small town and the way that community interacts in small towns. It made me really nostalgic for some of my Southern family and Southern roots. So I really like that one. I think she also has a book of short stories. Um, Fruit of the Drunken Tree by Ingrid Contreras Rojas. I believe that came out last summer. It is about a young woman who has a very strong relationship with her housekeeper in Colombia, I believe, during the time when all the cartels are, are in operation and people are always disappearing. They, she ends up fleeing with her family to the United States. And so the book is framed as a collection of stories or she starts receiving letters from the woman who was her housekeeper when she lived there. And, you know, she was very impressionable and there were things that were happening within the household that she didn't necessarily share with her parents because she felt an allegiance with this woman and just the consequences that that had for her family, not only the young housekeeper, but for her family and having to relocate and, and the consequences that it had, you know, for all of them. That one was really good. Um, Black Rabbit Hall by Eve Chase is one of those books that I say that, oh, this is right up my alley because it's set in England. It 
is set on an estate somewhere. I think it's dual timelines. It is about this family that has always inhabited this house and you get to see what happened back in the past and the effect that it has on future generations who are living there. And so it has that gothic kind of feel. Um, it is a slow burn of a story. You know, there's a lot where it's, it's about the house and it's about the happenings. A lot goes into the setup, but midway through the book, it just, it has such an impact. And I just loved, love that book. Um, Golden Child by Claire Adam, which is another Sarah Jessica Parker's pick. I think out of all of the celebrity book club hosts or whatever, I think her taste so far probably aligns most closely with mine. I don't think that there have been any misses of what I have either seen that she's recommended. They've been things that I would have liked to have read or I have read them and have really enjoyed them. Golden Child is about the complicated relation relationship that a family has with a child that goes missing and what it is that the family needs to do to bring him back. The story centers around twin boys. They are very different from each other because of some things that are happened at birth and they're treated very differently. So one is the golden child and one is not. And is about, you just get some background on this family and how they've grown up and the really high stakes that they are facing when their son goes missing. And it is not the golden child who does go missing. So it is, what is this family going to do to get him back? Or what are the consequences for them acting or not acting Mm -hmm. in light of his disappearance? Really good and really touching. The last one I think I'll highlight is The Muse by Jesse Burton. It's another dual timelines. It's about artists the consequences, the ramifications of this painting that's found and getting to see the history of that painting and how it connects two families over time. I love stories like that. I really do want to read her other book. I think the first book was The Miniaturist, which was a PBS special, PBS miniseries. I think there were two or three episodes of it. It was really interesting. So I would love to read the book, but I loved The Muse. Those are my five that... I've probably mentioned at some point or another on the show, but I don't know that they have gotten maybe the attention and some of the airtime that a lot of the others have. Well, thank you to our listeners for sticking with us for 100 episodes. We always appreciate your feedback. And if you have any thoughts or comments or suggestions based on what you heard on the show today, please share that with us. You can leave us comments. You can leave us reviews. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere. Um, we just love to hear from you. So Nicole, congratulations on our hundredth episode and I'm excited for what's next. So am I. <laughs> Until then, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the readerly report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, readerly report readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonia.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.